Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. 32 teams stussed out on the road to Super Bowl 57. Now, just 14 remain. Two of those are enjoying a bye this week as a result of securing a number one seed in their respective conferences. That leaves us with six games, 12 teams, all looking to march forward and take another step closer to a place in Glendale, Arizona next month and a chance to win the Lombardi Trophy. That's right, it's playoff season in the NFL, and we're looking ahead to Super Wildcard Weekend. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Hello, welcome along to the show. It's been an entertaining season to this point. 18 weeks, 32 teams setting out with one goal in mind, lifting the Vince Lombardi Trophy in Glendale, Arizona next month and becoming Super Bowl champions. Well... 18 of those teams have been cast the wayside now, just 14 remain, and it's all about the playoffs. Each team knowing is a simple equation from here on in. It's win or go home. Win or your season is done. Welcome along to the show. This is Graves on Gridiron. I am your host, Richard Graves, and every week we take a look at the slate of games on offer in the NFL, pick three of them, and then see what line the odds makers have set. Dissect those matchups a little bit closely, more closely, and then I give my opinion on what I think will be the outcome of the game will be, and more importantly, what I think will be the outcome compared to the line set by the odds makers. But this is playoff season; it's the business end of the NFL, and we don't just pick three games anymore. We look at each and every playoff matchup, and that starts Saturday evening in the UK, nine thirty kickoff time. The Seattle Seahawks finishing the regular season with a 9-8 and record, going to the San Francisco 49ers. They finished with a 13-4 and record, and it is an NFC West divisional rival matchup to kick off Super Wildcard Weekend. Uh, there does appear, I've got to say, a train of thought that this may be the toughest test, uh, maybe up to the Super Bowl itself, for the San Francisco 49ers, just because the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll, and the Seahawks team as a whole know the 49ers so well. I've got to tell you, I don't see it, and I don't think the oddsmakers see it either. The uh, You can get, for, for total points in this game, just for the San Francisco 49ers, um, the line is set at 27.5 points. I'm not so sure they're going to need to score 27 and a half points to take care of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, it's one thing to be division rivals. It's another thing entirely to take down a team that, frankly, is on top of their game now. right now. Man for man, they have a better and more complete roster than the Seattle Seahawks. And they're playing on their own turf, um, the San Francisco 49ers. That's the challenge that faces Seattle this weekend, having to go on the road and take on a team that is frankly red hot. Um, the, the 49ers, remember, are here by virtue of an overtime win last weekend over a, a beleaguered LA Rams team. And even then, with that win under their belts, they had to sit back and watch like the rest of us to see if the Detroit Lions could do them a favour in Lambeau Field and take down the Green Bay Packers. The Detroit Lions did exactly that. And because the Packers lost, that but Seattle's place into the postseason. Um, it is worth keeping in mind, though, that this was perceived to be a rebuilding season in Seattle. Remember that big off-season trade they made last year, uh, shift, uh, moving on rather, uh, quarterback Russell Wilson for a boatload of draft picks to the Denver Broncos. I think at this stage, 
um, in a cycle. Many people will look at that as good business right now uh, for the Seahawks. And so they they decided to go with Geno Smith as their starting quarterback. And it has to be said, Geno Smith has surpassed all expectations. Um, their, their offense has been a pleasant surprise this season. They finished in the top 10 in scoring, averaging 23.9 points a game. Um, defensively, they, they've struggled. Remember Pete Carroll, the Legion of Boom? Uh, that was certainly the foundation on which they won Super Bowl 48 against the Denver Broncos in New Jersey. Well, if they're going to go far in the playoffs this time around, it's not going to be on the back of defensive performances as we've seen uh, during the regular season. They finished ranked 26th overall in defense, 25th in points allowed, giving up uh, 23.6 points a game on average. And perhaps most worryingly, they were ranked 30th in run defense, allowing a click over 150 yards on the ground per game. And when you're finish, uh, facing a team like the San Francisco 49ers, which specializes in running the ball um, under head coach Carl Shanahan, I've got to tell you, that's a, a major issue and a huge concern. The 49ers themselves uh, come into this game with the eighth best rushing offense in the NFL. Um, they have the sixth best scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 25.6 points a game. And they don't turn the ball over either. Um, that's despite now playing their third different starting quarterback this season. And it's not a veteran. It's Brock Purdy, um, a late round rookie pick from the 2022 NFL draft. Um, he has been nothing short of sensational during his five starts. He has gone five and oh um, as a starting quarterback in the regular season for the San Francisco 49ers. He shows an unexpected calmness in the pocket. He's he has an awareness. He's mobile. He's able to make plays on the move. As yet, nobody, no defense has come up with a solution to Brock Purdy. And now here he is leading them into the postseason as well. Um, the offense, frankly, has barely missed a beat with Brock Purdy under uh, under center. Uh, the Niners swept Seattle aside in the regular season meetings. There's no reason why they shouldn't win again here, in my opinion. Um that line I, I referenced right at the start of this preview, 27 and a half points. Well, 27 points was the most they needed in either game um, to take care of the Seattle Seahawks. Like I say, I don't see them needing to score 27 points in this one to move through to the divisional round. So take the San Francisco 49ers to win, perhaps win handily, but it'll be under 27 and a half points. Take the Seahawks at under 27 and a half points in this game. Okay, the second game in the late window on Saturday is the LA Chargers, 10-7 and on the regular season, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who finished like a train to clinch the AFC South. They finished with a 9-8 and record, and this could well turn out to be the most entertaining game of Super Wildcard Weekend. Two teams making their return to the postseason after lengthy absences. The Chargers back in the postseason and in the playoffs for the first time since 2018. For the Jags, it's their first appearance in the postseason since 2017. They went all the way to the AFC Divisional Championship game before losing to the Patriots on that occasion. Um, the Chargers, with Justin Herbert at quarterback, they like to air the ball out. They finished the regular season with four players amassing over 700 uh, receiving yards. 
their quarterback, Justin Herbert, like I say, he likes to wear the ball out. That's really uh, borne out in his statistics, finishing the regular season. Uh, He had 477 completions, 4,739 passing yards this season. He finished second in the NFL in both of those categories. And this could make for an entertaining matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars pass defense, which only ranks 28th in the National Football League this season. They've been fairly stout at defending the run, but in the secondary, there are questions that they still need to answer. On the other side of the ball, Jacksonville have a home run hitter from anywhere on the field in the form of running back Travis Etienne. Remember, he missed his rookie season uh, picking up uh, an injury in preseason. Well, this is his first full season in the NFL, and he has set it alight with over 1,400 total scrimmage yards. Uh, 1,125 of those have come on the ground. He scored five touchdowns as well. Um, And he's going up a Chargers defense, which if you run the ball well, you like this matchup. The LA Chargers, well, there's only five teams in the NFL, four teams, I correct myself, that have been worse at stopping the run this season than the LA Chargers. That's right. They rank 28th in rush defense in the NFL. They're giving up 145.8 yards per game. You better believe that's an area the Jags will have highlighted and will be looking to exploit on Saturday night. Um, The Jags, we said they finished the season like a train. Well, they're on a five-game winning streak. Uh, The Chargers had won four in a row prior to the regular season finale in Denver when, frankly, nothing was on the line. So they're in form as well. The bigger concern for the LA Chargers will be the status of wide receiver Mike Williams. He uh, went down heavily in that Week 18 matchup against the Denver Broncos. He seemed to have a back issue. He walked very gingerly off the field. He did not practice um, in the first practice of the week. Uh, We'll need to keep an eye on this one coming up to game time. If he can play at all, you better believe the Chargers and he, for that matter, will want to be on the field. But if he can't, it's going to be a major blow to this Chargers offense. When the two sides met back in September, I think it was week three, an early season matchup, the Jags were comfortable 38 points to 10 winners, um, which you thought was an indication of things to come. Well, it took time for the Jags. They, They got there. In the end, um, once again, I'd expect there to be points aplenty in this game. I think it's going to be an entertaining affair. Both teams have playmakers on offense. Both teams have players on defense capable of making plays uh, as well, quite frankly. Um, They both come into it averaging at least 23 points a game. And I think it could be one of those games that's decided ultimately by which team has possession of the ball last. My advice, sit back, enjoy it. Take the total points line in this game and take the over. Over 46.5 total points when the Chargers travel to Jacksonville. Graves on gridiron. Okay, the first game of the slate on Sunday sees the Miami Dolphins go to AFC East rivals, the Buffalo Bills. The Dolphins finishing the season in disappointing fashion with a 9-8 and record. The Buffalo Bills 13-3. and Um, The Dolphins really had to halt a losing skid to narrowly beat the New York Jets in Week 18 to book their place in the postseason. The Buffalo Bills coming off the back of an emotionally charged season finale win over the New England Patriots. For Miami, it's their first appearance in the playoffs since way back in 2016. Um, We referenced that, frankly, excruciating uh, game against the Jets, which they ran out 11 points to six winners. Um, to get into the playoffs. 
Uh, Tua Tungavailoa, their quarterback, finished the year as the NFL's highest-rated passer. Um, but he's not even going to be on the field this weekend. He's still recovering from his latest concussion. He was ruled out on Wednesday by head coach Mike McDaniels. That would likely mean Teddy Bridgewater as his replacement. Um, he's the backup quarterback in Miami, but he missed the Week 18 game against the Jets with a dislocated finger. And Mike McDaniels has already said we're preparing for this game as if our seventh-round rookie pick, Skylar Thompson, will start. Well, that greatly uh, depreciates the threat, you'd think, from this Dolphins offense. Uh, they do have playmakers, though. Um, at wide receiver Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle both finished the regular season with over 1,000 receiving yards. The problem is you need to get them the ball. If Skylar Thompson's playing at quarterback, that becomes a bit more difficult. He's only completed 57.1% of his passes in his rookie season so far, and he's only thrown one interception as opposed to three Sorry, he's only thrown one touchdown, rather, as opposed to three interceptions so far in his NFL career. The offense as a whole for Miami um, ranks in the top 10, both in total and passing um, offense, um, and they average 23.4 points per game. But I emphasize again, vast majority of success they've enjoyed this season has been with Tua Tungavailoa at quarterback. He will not be on the field this weekend when they travel up to Buffalo. Another problem they've got, the Buffalo Bills on home soil. That rabid Buffalo Bills crowd night to be known as the Bills Mafia. We got a taste of it in the uh, season for regular season finale when they played the New England Patriots and obviously the emotion surrounding um, their player, Damar Hamlin, as well, and all that he's been through and the opening kickoff of the game. They take to the house 96-yard return for a touchdown, and the place goes wild. It is difficult to play in that atmosphere if you are an experienced veteran in the NFL. If you are a rookie quarterback who's still struggling to find your way and become comfortable operating an NFL offense, well, that difficulty, you can multiply it by at least 10 times and probably more. Remember, it's only three weeks ago with Tua playing that the Dolphins came up short in a 32-29 loss to Buffalo in Buffalo. Um, The Bills have the second-ranked total offense. They're second in scoring, averaging 28.4 points a game. They come into it riding a seven-game winning streak. Um, Look, Miami's defense is good. And it will make it tough, I would suspect, for Buffalo early on. But I expect Buffalo to run out of this as comfortable winners. Um, and it could even be a hefty blowout if Miami has to ship, uh, shift, uh, ship points early in this game. Uh, offensively, I struggle to see how Miami, if they do have Skylar Thompson um, at quarterback, get points on the board. The line for their Their points in this game has been set at 14 and a half. I think they struggled to score 14 against one of the best defences in the NFL right now. So take the Miami Dolphins points in this game at under 14.5. The second game of three on Sunday sees the New York Giants, who finished with a 9-7-1 record, Travelling to the NFC North champions, the Minnesota Vikings, finishing with a 13-4 record on the season. The Vikings, unsurprisingly, are favourites, but they're favoured by only three going into this game. It's the first time in six years that we've seen Big Blue in the postseason, and they do it in the first year as head coach uh, first year as head coach of the New York Giants, uh, Brian Dable, who's turned some heads, it has to be said, offensively. 
They haven't been spectacular, but their defense has been resolute. And when they've won games, it has been on the back of stout defensive performances. The Vikings, an impressive 13-4 and on the regular season, having won the NFC North title, also with their first-year head coach in charge in the form of Kevin O'Connell. But they are also the first 13-win team in NFL history uh, to have a minus point differential. Tough to believe that, isn't it, when they've only lost four games? But over the course of the season, they have a minus three point differential. They've won 11 games by eight points or less, including a 27-24 win over the Giants in Week 16, when you might recall Greg Joseph kicked a game-winning 61-yard field goal as time expired. That, again, was also in Minnesota, and everything about this game coming into the postseason points to another struggle, a battle that will be won in the trenches and likely decided by less than a score, I would think. Uh, The concern for the Vikings isn't, as the popular narrative would have it, Kirk Cousins at quarterback, although it is worth pointing out, and I will thank Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football this week for digging up this statistic. There's a train of thought that Kirk Cousins struggles to win games that are played in the late window, and by that we mean games that UK time are played 9pm or later. His record since high school, so this takes in college football, his time uh, the then Washington Redskins, of course now Washington Commanders, and Minnesota, his record in that period is 10-24 and 24 when playing in the late window uh, of games. It's astonishing, really, especially when you look at the way he's played this season. He's been impressive, um, but he is not the problem in this Minnesota Vikings uh, team. Their offense has been good this year. He's been good. He's engineered eight fourth-quarter comebacks for the Vikings. The offense as a whole has been averaging 24.9 points a game. That ranks eighth in the NFL. The problem lies with their defense, one of the worst units in the NFL. They're in the bottom five in points allowed. They've been giving up 25.1 points a game on average. Total yards, an average of 388.7 points, uh, 388.7 yards per game. Passing um, yards, uh, 266.6 yards a game. Throwing to the equation as well, a rush defense, which ranks 20th in the league this season. And frankly, their offense has to play well in every game just to keep their noses in front. And that is why you have this negative overall point differential. Look, we already know the New York Giants game plan will feature a heavy dose of running back Saquon Barkley. He's had a resurgent year, amassing 1,312 yards on the ground. He's scored 10 touchdowns as well. The Giants want a a physical game that leaves them with an opportunity to to win it in the fourth quarter. If they're still in touching distance, they will be delighted in the fourth quarter. Their quarterback, Daniel Jones, again, he's not been spectacular, but Brian Dable has got out of him his best year as an NFL player. He set career best in completion percentage at 67.2%, yards per attempt, 6.8%, passer rating, 92.5%. No team has won as many one-score games as in the regular season, as the Minnesota Vikings have this year. Look, the New York Giants have also specialised in keeping games to within one score, score, whether they win or lose. Expect this to be another one-score game, and this time I think the Vikings' luck runs out. The law of averages says you cannot keep winning one-score games when they've squeaked through 11 already this season. It's win 
or you go home. The pressure really is on. I think the New York Giants uh, have coped with pressurised situations week in, week out pretty well this year. And if we get to that stage again this time around, I think the New York Giants come on uh, come out on top. They are three-point underdogs coming into this game. Not only do I expect the New York Giants to cover that spread, I expect to, them to win the game and proceed to the divisional round in the playoffs. So take the New York Giants on the spread at plus three. Graves on Gridiron with Richard Graves. Now the final game on Sunday is Sunday night football. The Baltimore Ravens travel to the Cincinnati Bengals, an AFC North divisional rivalry. The Ravens finishing the year with a 10-7 and record. The Bengals at 12-4. and No surprise to anybody, the Cincinnati Bengals go into this as favourites. Last weekend, they had their way with the Baltimore Ravens. And I see no reason at all why that should change in the postseason. The the talk had been that after missing the final five games of the regular season uh, with a knee injury, quarterback Lamar Jackson would be good to go in the playoffs. And this game, therefore, would be different. Well, at the time of recording this podcast, I've got to tell you the reports coming uh, from Baltimore that Jackson is struggling to to make this game. Uh, And even if he is fit enough to take to the field, you've got to believe that if he's struggling, he's not going to be 100%. And that is a a problem uh, for the Baltimore Ravens offense, which is um, predicated around Lamar Jackson being able to use his legs, be mobile and make plays outside of the pocket. Um, rightfully, the, the Ravens will point to their defense, which finished uh, third overall in points allowed. But look at their opponents over the final two months. They've played Pittsburgh twice, the Cleveland Browns, the Atlanta Falcons, the Broncos, the Panthers. The only time they faced a, what I would call a potent offense, frankly, was that of the Cincinnati Bengals. And last week, they dominated this Ravens defense. Um, And now you expect us to believe that Baltimore, without a healthy franchise quarterback starting the game, are going to roll back into Cincinnati and turn that form on its head? I'm not buying it. The Bengals finished the season averaging 26 points per game. Their defense ranks sixth overall. They're giving up 20.1 points per game. Look, the, the bottom line, folks, is that the Bengals have too many playmakers on offense and they don't give up points on defense. They came into they came into this season and started out 0-2 off the back of that Super Bowl 56 disappointment. And they've gone on to win the division with a 12-3-1 record since week three. That's incredibly impressive. It shows character, it shows ability, it shows a single-mindedness frankly, to focus on the job at hand and, more importantly, get the job done. Look, they will win a game this weekend and they'll do so by a clear margin. I expect them to put points of plenty on the board, even against this Ravens defence. So take the Bengals' points in this game. Take the over at 25.5 points. And the final game of Super Wildcard Weekend takes us to Florida, the home of the Super Bowl 55 winners, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's Monday night football with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on the call. The Dallas Cowboys, with a 12-5 and record, travel to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, who got in by virtue of winning a horrible NFC South division with a losing 8-9 and record. The Cowboys go into this game as two-and-a-half-point favourites. And I really think that points to the way both teams have played um, in the final month of the season. I think at the end of November, the the Cowboys would have been heavy favourites 
going into this game. Um, now, not so much. They've struggled with the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, obviously losing in overtime to them. They struggled to get past the Houston Texans. And then there was the, the debacle in Week 18 at the Washington Commanders. Um, the Bucks, frankly, haven't been much better. Every time you've thought they're going to catch fire, well, they take a step or two backwards. Um, look, the Buccaneers finished with the season with a losing record. At times, their offense has frankly looked dysfunctional. Um, and there's just a train of thought, whisper it quietly, that old father time might finally, at the age of 45, be catching up with quarterback Tom Brady. Yet, here are the Buccaneers in the postseason again for the third straight year and another Super Bowl success isn't beyond the realms of possibility when you get into the playoffs. Tom Brady has a perfect 7-0 record when playing the Dallas Cowboys over the course of his NFL career, which also, by the way, includes opening weekend wins this season and last season. This season it was in Dallas. Last season it was at the venue for Monday night's game in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium. Um, But this is different. The Buccaneers' offense has been woeful this year. They finished the season ranked 24th in points per game. They were dead last in rushing yards per game, last in explosive plays, 21st in third down conversions. Look, these statistics you just don't see with a Tom Brady quarterback's offense, but that's where the Bucs find themselves this season. And frankly, the only reason they're in this position is because their rivals in the NFC South were even worse than the Buccaneers were. Um, I understand that Tom Brady is their quarterback. I understand that he's got seven Super Bowl winners rings to his name. But this is now. That was then. Everyone in Dallas um, has been up in arms over the last week over the performance, let alone the result itself um, against the Washington Commanders. Uh, It was an inept display. There's no way of getting around it. But that doesn't matter. When it gets to the postseason, it's a new season. They ran into, um, look, they ran a very basic offense when they played Washington last week. There was no play action. There was next to no um, motion, which really isn't how Dak Prescott and this Cowboys offense has operated and had success over the majority of the season. Um, You know, since week seven, prior to last weekend, they were the only team in the NFL over that span to be averaging in excess of 30 points per game. In fact, I think it might have been over 35 points a game. Whatever it was, they were putting points on every opponent week in, week out, and it didn't matter whether they won or lost. This offense was finding its way to the end zone. Um, to, to their credit, and this will boost them, on the offensive line, they get their starting center back in Tyler Biadish uh, this week. On the defensive front, Jonathan Hankins, their big run-stuffing defensive tackle, uh, returns from injury. They'll also get Leighton Van Der Esch at linebacker to help in defending the run. He's fit and will return to their starting lineup this weekend. Um, One area, though, that the Bucs will look to exploit, and this is why it's important that the Cowboys get those two players back on defense, is the run game. As bad as the Bucs have been at trying to run the ball this season, frankly, the Cowboys... Um, run defense hasn't been very good in December, especially either, certainly in the second half of the season. And then there are issues at secondary. Trayvon Diggs locks down one side. 
Um, he's their best corner. But remember, they, they lost Jordan Lewis. They lost Anthony Brown, their next two best cornerbacks. And frankly, they've had an issue trying to find someone to slot in on the opposite side of the field to Trayvon Diggs. We saw it last week with Mullen getting a run out. The week before, it was Nation Wright. I'm not entirely convinced that Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator in Dallas, knows who his best corner is um, on that side of the field. And it'll be interesting to see how they go um, this time around. And when you've got players um, like Mike Evans, like Chris Godwin, um, or like Chris Goodwin, rather, um, there's the opportunity there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to make plays against this Dallas secondary. That being said, Brady does need to have time in the pocket to, to make those plays. And he's going against a defensive front in Dallas, which finished the season tied for third with 54 um, sacks. And if Tampa can't find a way to keep Brady upright, well, those plays deep aren't going to be there and it won't be an issue. Um, Tampa have only scored more than 23 points once since October the 3rd. That's three months, folks. Um, so if they are to progress, they'll need a few turnovers, I suspect, um, from their defense. The good news for, for Tampa is that you're going up against the NFL leader in interceptions thrown this year. Dak Prescott's thrown 15 of those, and he missed five games with, with injury. Um, look, the game plan for Dallas, I would think, is straightforward on Monday night. Don't turn the ball over and you win the game. If, if this Dallas Cowboys offense looks after the ball, I don't think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have got enough in them to put enough points on the board to be able to overcome this Cowboys team. Forget the noise around this matchup. The bottom line is Tampa are not a good team in 2022 going into the 2023 playoffs. The Dallas Cowboys do have talent. They are a good team. Look after the ball, and on the road, they'll get their first road playoff win in going on 30 years. Take the Dallas Cowboys to cover the spread. They win the game handily. Take the Dallas Cowboys at minus two and a half points. Okay, just to recap, six games in total for Super Wildcard Weekend. It all starts on Saturday evening, UK time. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the San Francisco 49ers. Take the Niners points in this game. The San Francisco 49ers um, to score under 27 and a half points in a straightforward win. So under 27.5 points in the game for the San Francisco 49ers. Then it's the Chargers against the Jaguars in what might be the most entertaining game of Super Wildcard Weekend. Expect points aplenty in this one. Take over 46.5 total points in the game. From there, we move on to Sunday and the Miami Dolphins going to division rival Buffalo Bills. The uh, Miami Dolphins struggling. No Tua Tungavailoa. Question marks over whether Teddy Bridgewater plays. I don't think the Dolphins get a foothold in this game. Take the Dolphins points for the game under 14 and a half points for the game. Then it's the Giants traveling to the Minnesota Vikings. The Giants go in as three-point underdogs. I think they win the game outright. So take the Giants to cover that at plus three. And then we finish on Sunday with the Baltimore Ravens traveling to the Cincinnati Bengals. Question marks once again over the status of quarterback Lamar Jackson. I think the Bengals have their way for the second straight week with the Baltimore Ravens. Take the Bengals to cover their points at over 25 and a half points in this game. And Super Wildcard Weekend finishes 
in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys go in at two and a half point favorites. The Bucs are just a bad team this year, folks. Take the Cowboys to cover at minus two and a half points. As always, you can read about the matchups discussed on this podcast by going to my website, rdgmedia.uk. Click on that Talking Sport tab and you will see Super Wildcard Weekend overcoming the odds. Usually three games to watch. We're having all six this time around and we decide we dissect each of the six matchups. Alternatively, if you want to get in touch with me, get in touch via Twitter. My handle there is at RichardGraves1. Look, the playoffs, well... It'll be ecstasy for some fans. It'll be heartbreak for the others. There's always drama, though, no matter what happens. And quite you, quite honestly, usually Super Wildcard Weekend provides the most drama in playoff season. So sit back and enjoy, and we'll reconvene next week when we will be down to the last eight teams. I make it. We'll check that again. Yeah, eight teams on the road to Glendale, Arizona, to see who will be fighting out in Super Bowl 57. So long, everybody. Subscribe to Graves on Gridiron wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep up to date with the latest on Twitter. Search for Richard Graves 1. That's Richard Graves, the number one.